This is Caroline Pierce from Luxie, and this is Interesting People with Interesting Jobs. Today's episode was a conversation with David Brookbanks, who is a communications professional who um, works with lots of different clients, um, telling the world about the events and um, activities, I suppose, that they're doing. And he describes in a really useful way how people could get into that job. He describes his um, path from being a young person interested in creative writing right through school and university and jobs up until the point where he's freelance and has his own company and, and talks a lot about skills and interests and um, has some great recommendations. So I hope you enjoy listening. And um, as always on the podcast, the music is by Roma Yagnik and we have technical support from Jason Burge that we couldn't do without. Thank you, happy listening. Hello, David. So, um, first of all, how do you describe you? No, I'll be honest, this, this was one of the questions that I did slightly struggle with. And I, I messaged some friends last night. I said, I'm doing a podcast and I don't really know how to approach this question. And my friend came back with, I thought, a touch of genius, because this is literally how people describe me, is tall guy with glasses. If someone has to describe who I am, it's, you know, David, tall guy, glasses. That is me. I'm kind of like a Stephen Merchant of uh, PR and marketing. <laughs> Excellent. A tall guy with glasses. And <laughs> in a professional context, how would you describe you and the work that you do? So I'm a freelance communications marketing consultant. Um, I essentially work with various different organizations to help them communicate information to different audiences. Um, that can be through um, media relations, through PR, can be through traditional marketing routes, say like advertising, um, but also a lot of increasing digital um, communication tools as well. So um, the whole gamut really. Okay. now. I would really like to pull that apart a tiny bit. So if we imagined we were talking to a 10 year old, how would, how would you like explain what all those words mean? That's a good question. So, um, so I suppose how I could describe it is if, um, if say that young person was in school, and say it's a younger person actually, and they, there's a, usually a little magazine that um, sometimes lots of children get before half term, and we're chatting just before half term, um, called Primary Times, and it has information in there about events that are happening, things that might be of interest for people of that age. And um, I would be the person that would try and get my client's event profiled in that publication. So if you pick up a magazine, or if you watch the TV, or listen to the radio and you hear information about an event, I may have been the person to help make that happen. That's really useful. And 
are there what sort of events like do you um yeah what what what's the range of events that you might be involved in so um it really depends on the client and i work um with a range of different organizations so i do a lot of work with um clients in the arts and cultural sector um, and a lot of them run exhibitions and events so it may be um, an artist installation that i'm working on and i'm promoting that kind of event or it may be a business event so it may be about bringing people together from the business community to learn about maybe some new funding or a new program something that's been introduced um, so that's it's a real variety and it really depends on um, who the client is what kind of area they work in and also what the audience is and who are they trying to talk to and communicate to um and because we've mentioned young people at this point and i don't think this is only for young people but just that's a useful lens to start from um if i was a young person and i wanted to do your job or i wanted to find out more about your job how how would i start to do that um that's a good question actually um i'm trying to think of useful routes that would be relevant for people of that age group actually i mean there's as with a lot of um organizations and sectors there's there's always professional bodies and people who operate in the sector um, so there's an organization called the chartered institute of public relations um, that organization um, is a good place to start in terms of um, helpful information about what it is that um, I do for a living. Um, but also, I think one of the things that's really quite helpful is YouTube is a fantastic resource that I use quite a lot in terms of getting information and guides that people put on about careers and what it is that they do. So I think if anyone was to search YouTube to look out for someone who works in PR or marketing or communications, They'd probably find someone that gives a really good um, introduction to what that career is. So, what would what would be like? <clears throat> what's the question you would ask? What's the text you would put in to find to find that sort of answer? I think that would probably be careers in marketing or careers in PR. Something like that would bring up the relevant results. When you were a teenager, what were you interested in? So I've always really, really been interested in um, writing. When I was younger, I really wanted to be a journalist. Um, I think when I was growing up, I always had an interest in art and design. That was what I thought I might want to do. And then as I got slightly older, I started to really enjoy English, <clears throat> English language and literature. I studied that at A-level really enjoyed reading um so that fed into it again and it sounds daft but i always loved learning new words if there was a word i didn't know um i'd always look it up in the dictionary to understand what it meant um so that was always an interest and i think i think often when you start to feel like you have a bit of a skill for something and it's something you enjoy that those two things that come together creates a bit of a passion and something that you really want to pursue. So um, definitely 
writing and all elements. So it, it was kind of creative writing um, that I enjoyed, but also that ability to take maybe complex information and try and present it in a way that people could understand. That was always something I really enjoyed doing and I still enjoy that part of my job now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how do you know that you've done a good job? Oh, it's a good question. Um, well, I suppose the key thing is from a kind of top level is people, people who work with me and contract me to do a bit of work. Um, they'll expect me to generate, um, say if it's, um, if it's public relations, for example, they might want me to generate coverage, media coverage for an event or um, a program, something that they want to talk about. So success would look like an article in a newspaper or someone being interviewed on the radio or say someone from the BBC coming out to film um, an event, something along the lines of that would would be one marker of success. Um, I suppose for me, another thing would be making sure that the messaging, the the things that the client wants to get across have gone have been communicated and people understand them. I think that's the thing that is key for me. And um, there's no point having a article in a newspaper um, that's confusing to people or doesn't say um, doesn't give the information that that you need to communicate. So I think success for me is making sure that I've actually delivered that message in the right way. I'm going to ask one more question on that because I'm yeah. curious about how you know that that's been like, how do you really know that that's been understood in the way that you believe it's going to be? A really good way, actually, and we do this more and more, is um, is surveys and actually asking that question of people. So if someone's attended an event, you might be, and you'll know this from your background, where you maybe do post-event surveys and um, post-exhibition surveys, and you'll ask people about, you know, where did you find out about the event? Do you understand what it's, what it's about? Um, and they're really key things, I think, that come across. And you do, you do start to get a sense as well, because I think now, because social, people are so active on social media, that you get, you get feedback quite regularly from people. So you could be at an event, and it might be, um, you know, you might be doing live tweeting at the time and you can interact with people, ask questions. So it, it becomes quite clear um, if if you're communicating in the right way and people are understanding. Yeah. And so is social media part of your remit as well? Huge part, huge part. And it's interesting when I think about when I first started working in um, this industry that social media didn't really exist in fact it didn't um it wasn't a thing um and suddenly and interestingly i remember when facebook first came out and i think that was about 2007 maybe around then um and it wasn't something that businesses used and then a few years later people started to really understand how useful a tool it could be and i always think that actually with social media trends how they tend to happen is a new social media feed or platform will come out and it normally takes a couple of years before organizations 
sometimes really grasp on to how useful that will be. So you start to see, and I think that's why new social media platforms start to come on because actually people get bored of them because they think, well, it, this used to be fun. And now I just, I'm targeting with ads and sponsored posts and all sorts. And that's probably a bit of Facebook fatigue. No, that's, that's really interesting. But you mentioned that social media wasn't necessarily about when you first got into the industry and that you, as a younger person, were really interested in creative writing. Can you walk us through really quickly how you got from there to here? Yeah. So um, very, very quickly, I, I really enjoyed writing, knew that was something I was keen to do. Um, so after GCSEs, I moved on to A-levels. A-levels, actually, I really, really struggled with. I found that the, the pace of work quite intense and kind of the concept that you had to condense two years' worth of knowledge into a three-hour exam was a bit much for me. Um, but I did English language and literature um, and then moved on to university. And from there, I did a course called multimedia journalism. And again, this was quite early on at the kind of when the internet was really starting to take off. Um, and that was about essentially creative writing and writing for online audiences, um, which is slightly different. There's a different tone sometimes. Um, so I've always used that those creative writing elements into my job. And still today when I'm you know, if I'm writing a press release to send to a journalist about a project, that's creative writing. You know, I'm having to articulate something in a certain way and use use words to communicate different kind of messages and a feeling and excitement. Um, so yeah, so it's it's nice that I still get to do that as part of my day job. Yeah. So from university, what happened next? Oh, so um, I went traveling for a year after university. Um, and that was a great experience just to get out in the world and have a break between education and moving into work. Um, I really, really struggled to find a role in what I wanted to do when I first came back. Um, it took about 18 months me to find a suitable kind of job that I wanted to do and I first started working in an agency um, and an agency is essentially where you work um, with lots of different clients um, and various different sectors and then from there I moved into a role at the Theatre Royal in Newcastle upon Tyne and that was in what you call an in-house position so that's working for an organisation specifically about what they do um, after that, I moved into um, a destination marketing agency, which is essentially an organization that promotes a particular place. In my case, it was the Newcastle and Gateshead areas. And I worked on lots of festivals and events, um, which was really exciting, lots of big things happening in the city. Um, and probably about six years into that role, um, I started to feel like I wasn't really progressing. And in the way I wanted to, I still had ambitions to do different things. Um, and it's at that point that I started to explore uh, becoming freelance um, and finding, you know, starting my own company and seeking out my own clients. And, um, and that was back in 2014. 
So I've been going a while now. <laughs> yeah. So that's a really direct line through, actually, isn't it? Like, I know that lots of people I talk to, in hindsight, you can go, oh, actually, it does make sense. But it, it sounds to me like, actually, yours made sense directly all the way through. <laughs> and it, it's strange you say that, actually, because I, I, I did a similar um, interview with a colleague of mine who works for Newcastle University. And he did a series all about people who worked within the creative and art sector. And he really wanted to understand more about my journey. In, in my career and one of the things he said at the end he said you're really tenacious aren't you and, and like I said I don't understand what you mean and it, it that is a term I would never associate with myself not in a in my personal life anyway but he said how you you know how you've described how you've got to where you are is always really driven you've known exactly what you wanted and you've always gone after it and and actually in, in hindsight I, I kind of have <laughs> So that leads me on to what happens next. Like what, what, have you got any big goals or ideas about the future? Um, one thing that I think it has been really good for me is the uncertainty of freelance life. Because of, as we've talked about, I've followed quite a set route. I almost knew where I wanted to be and I've kind of followed that quite rigidly. And actually, I think it's quite good sometimes to have a little bit of chaos and uncertainty in your life. And it and it's been quite hard for me to to slot into that, um, especially being freelance, because you'll you'll know that as well as well about this that sometimes work's busy, sometimes it's not. <laughs> um, and it's it's understanding to move with those dips and flows, and 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 actually, there's a lot of curveballs. Suddenly, you might suddenly someone might contact you and say, "We've got this great opportunity," and suddenly your your career goes in a bit of a different direction. And I think it's those things that excite me about being freelance. And I think that's a good thing for me as a person as well. That I, it's moving me out of my comfort zone. Yeah, that's really interesting because, um, yeah, a few things came up for me in in that answer. That one thing I always talk about is how when you're freelance you have to be brutally honest with yourself about your strengths and weaknesses in a way that in an employed role you simply don't encounter that um because you're working well with a team with a structure you're responding to a context and even if you're like the best at something within that context it might be just you're it's it's all relative whereas when you're freelance it's all you um and <laughs> yeah. I, I personally, I just think that that is really, really great because the the more you're, the, the more like you increase your self-awareness, like the better you can be at, at developing it like personally and professionally. But um, I'm also noticing that most of the people that I talk to at the moment are... Um, are almost in the opposite place from you. They're kind of going, I've always just responded to opportunities and I really want to focus on a goal now. And it almost sounds like you're going, I've always <laughs> focused on a goal. Now I just want to see what happens. Does that does that resonate, I suppose? Completely true. Completely true. I think um I think what I've noticed about how I've moved in my career 
and the thing the decisions that i've made they've always felt quite safe um and i think i've always liked the security sometimes of knowing i am employed or i have a, a a particular contract something like that so there's a bit of um clear next steps and and actually i think since i've become freelance so many opportunities have come up i mean even things like this talking to you today you know things like this probably wouldn't have come up had i still been working in my role at newcastle gates initiative so i think that's what i really like about it is is that that uncertainty brings opportunity and i think just being open to that's really important and i think it's really important for me to um because i think you can kind of um get stuck in a certain way of working um or seeing the world but actually as you say you with this job you're meeting different people you're responding to all sorts of different things but you're growing all the time yeah i think that's a really great kind of message for our times isn't it that uncertainty brings opportunity and it brings lots of other stuff as well but actually it's always going to bring a version of opportunity if you're ready for it and that's it and it can be it can be scary sometimes and as you say we've just gone through um the pandemic and for a lot of self-employed people that was a really really tough experience and it um impacted people's lives in a really negative way not just health-wise but professionally um but again the experience of being freelance was was really good because that flexibility gave me opportunities to work with different people um you just need to you just need to kind of go with the flow a little bit more and i think that that's a good thing for me yeah so we've sort of come to about the time i would like to just left field completely um a book or a podcast that you love or recommend oh so when we caught up recently and i was chatting to you about um what got me through the pandemic um there's a podcast called revisionist history um by a man called malcolm gladwell um lots and lots of series lots of episodes that you can get from wherever you stream podcasts so i definitely recommend that um and a book that i really enjoyed recently was um utopia avenue by an author called david mitchell um and it's a story about a, a 60s rock band um and how they kind of progress into this big success um but there's lots of really great character development and you really get invested in them um so i really enjoyed that book as well amazing on um revisionist history is there an episode that you would go oh this one start with this one oh god this is a very good question let me have a think this is going to sound ridiculous and very very boring but there there was one about dishwashers <laughs> which sounds the most dull thing in the world but actually what it was about was how um there's people essentially trying to develop new technology that's going to make um a big impact to the environment and impact climate change because if you think about the energy that we use um for things like dishwashers and the fact and washing machines and the fact that maybe people put them on too high 
And it was all about developing new technologies to support that work so people can wash clothes on a cold wash um, or make things more efficient. So it might sound very dull, <laughs> but it was really, but that's the point of the podcast. Yeah. Is it takes very obscure things that you would never think about and just shines a light on all the exciting things that are happening around it. That's brilliant. Thank you. So um before we go, if people want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Best place to find me is on LinkedIn. So if you just search David Brookbanks on LinkedIn, or I do have a website that people can go to, um, and that's www.ludlowstreet, all spelt out, .co.uk. Perfect. And we'll write that into the notes. So on that note, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you.